Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Ray, here to give the Bible reading. And the Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we'll look at the, uh, the latter half of uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting from verse 19. If you'd like a uh, Bible, a physical copy of the Bible, uh, just raise your hand and uh, Jeff will come around with some Bibles. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Uh, You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not, be worried about, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not, is not life more than food, and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink, or what shall I? What shall we wear? For if for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is God's word. church this morning. Now we're continuing our series in discipleship called Follow Me. It's such an important series as we think about how we can use all of our life to follow Jesus. Now friends, our vision this year is to go deeper with God, deeper in relationship with Him, 
deeper into the word, deeper transformation in our lives. That's what we want to see. And that happens when we gather together around God's word to go deeper into God's word in community together. And let me tell you about uh, something coming up that will really help us with this. And I think there's one thing you can't miss, and that's church camp. Church camp is coming up very soon, and I want to see every single one of you there. I actually think it's one of the biggest investments that you can make into your spiritual life. Like, you will see amazing gains when you spend time deep in community with one another, deep in God's Word, really. Because that's the way He gives us to grow. Yeah, so please, register for church camp. You can register now. You head to our website. Our early bird discounts are available, so I know you all want to save a little bit, get in there. And something exciting this year is we've got some new camp merch that's going to come with all of your registrations. So please get in there, get stuck in. Uh, we're finalising designs for that, but that shirt's going to look awesome as well. So get in there, guys. Now, I'm sure as we come into today's sermon, and we've heard the, the Bible reading that we just heard before, that you all have a lot of questions about money. I'm sure there's a lot of questions about money. Can you be rich and be a Christian? A lot of us sitting here thinking, I hope that can be the case. You know, how much should I be giving away? Is it selfish to go on overseas holidays? How, how should I use my money? Money is a huge part of our lives, and it's really important to think hard about it. And Jesus knows this as well. In fact, Jesus, he talks about money over and over again in the Gospels. He teaches on money very often. I'm not sure if you realize this. Because he knows, he knows that we need to have the right perspective on money if we are to live a life that honors him. Now, we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount in the past few weeks. Last week, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. We looked at how we have to depend on God to really pray in line with His will. We've been looking at how Jesus actually shows us the way for disciples of Jesus. Life in the kingdom is completely radical and revolutionary. It's countercultural to everything the world tells us. People of the kingdom live in a way which is very counter to the world. And when it comes to money, let me tell you, this is definitely not the exception. I'm just going to give you a little warning now. This is a sermon that might make you a little bit uncomfortable. But it might also transform your life. If you get the right view on how your treasures given by God are to be used for His glory. Now I'm going to go through this. I'm going to show you three truths that Jesus teaches us about money. So come with me. The first one is this. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to be looking into our Bibles because God's Word is authority here. Money doesn't last. That's the first point. Money doesn't last. Have a look at verse 19 with me. Matthew 6. Verse 19, in your Bibles, look on with your neighbor if you don't have your Bible there. Really important to look into God's Word, okay? One verse I'll read to you guys. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. We'll stop there for a moment. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Jesus, our King, tells us, he, this is a command, I hope you notice this. This isn't an optional extra. He tells us not to store up things on earth. Why? Well, because they don't last, essentially. It's not a hard point to understand. You can have the most expensive piece of clothing. Maybe you've got this shirt at home. I decided to look at the Gucci website the other day. Never been there before, but this is $2,800. First time I've been to this website, I almost fell off my chair when I saw the price of this. But, you know, people buy clothes like this. But what happens? If a moth gets to it, it's destroyed. It's gone. You can have the latest iPhone, the most cutting-edge MacBook, but what's Jesus tell us? If a thief breaks into your house and steals it, it's gone. 
The point's pretty clear. Things on earth, they don't last. Your possessions, 100 years from now, will be gone, or at the very least, you will be. But not so for your heavenly treasures. Have a look at verse 20. Verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, what are the heavenly treasures Jesus is talking about? Well, it's all the blessings that will be lavished on disciples in the new creation. Right? The things that we have a little taste of now, but we will see fully in their fullness, the consummation of all these things when we go to our heavenly home. Things we can't even really comprehend how good they are. Perfect love, joy, worship, feasting, no suffering or pain. Best of all, it's seeing our God face to face. The real treasure is relationship with our God, the one who made us. It's blessings being poured out abundantly by God. Everything we need. Everything we need and more. Everything we were made for. And let me tell you, these heavenly treasures, nothing will ever, ever take them away. So what's a better option to invest into? Heavenly things or eternal things? Sorry, heavenly things or earthly things? Now let me ask you, if you were to invest, some of you invest, some of you, um, you know, the concept's not hard. You want to invest into something that will give you the most returns, right? You want to put your money into something that will give you the most returns you have, right? Now, would you invest all your money into buying stocks in a company that you have no idea whether they'll be around uh, tomorrow or not? Maybe it's getting good returns today, but next week might have just disappeared. You've got no assurance what's going to happen. Of course not. That's not wise investing. None of us would do that. But yet so many of us do that with our lives. We pour all of our time, energy and effort into things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Material things that will break, rust, fade away. The prime example for this, the Australian dream. You know what that is? It's, it's our homes, isn't it? It's our homes. To own our beautiful, perfect home. Actually, we spend a huge majority of our life investing time, energy, resources into paying off our massive mortgages for our beautiful homes, even though they won't last. But Jesus calls us, his disciples, into something very, very different. He calls us to live for the eternal, not the temporary. Live for the eternal, not the temporary. This is actually wise investing. And this will actually transform your life. Let me take you to second truth. Money steers your heart in the wrong direction. This is the second truth Jesus teaches. Have a look at verse 20 with me in your Bibles. Verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The principle is clear here. What you love, what you treasure most is the direction that your life is heading in. Right? What you love, what you treasure most is the direction your life heads towards. We are called to a wholehearted devotion to the things of heaven. A wholehearted devotion. Verse 22, even though a little bit cryptic, reinforces this. Have a look at verse 22. Keep reading on. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, in the original language in the Greek, when it says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole bodies will be full of light, what that healthiness actually means is singleness of purpose. That's health. 
It's your eyes being fixed with complete devotion on what is good, in this case, God. And we think about this. When your eyes are like this, then your whole body will be filled with light because it's fixed on the things of light. Friends, we move towards the things that we have our eyes fixed on. All right? We move towards the things we have our eyes fixed on. I don't know if you've ever been uh, driving with a passenger in your passenger seat and then they're like, hey, did you see that person over there? And they point out the window and then you have a quick look over to see and then you'll find that you're slowly drifting over to the left and you have to correct yourself, even though that's not what you plan to do. Because it's just natural that where your eyes are fixed is the direction that you're going. And that's definitely the case for our lives. I went through a phase where I started watching all these tech channels on YouTube. Do you guys ever watch tech channels? So there's so many cool, you know, all the new accessories, devices and things. And you know what I found? I started having this desire for all these things that I never had a desire for before. Things I didn't even know existed, to be honest. And I was like, I need that. I really need that thing. I really need that new stand or accessory for my table or whatever it is. But I wanted them because I had my eyes fixed on them. Friends, what we fix our eyes on determines the direction of our life. What we fix our eyes on determines the direction of our life. These principles, I think, that Jesus gives us, they're not, they're not hard to comprehend, right? You can see what he's trying to say here. What we fix our eyes on determines the direction of our life. So here's my question. What do you have your eyes fixed on? What do you have your eyes fixed on? What is it that you daydream about? What is it that you're putting your efforts, your time, your energy into? Are they material things or are they spiritual? If you look at the shape of your life, I wonder what it will tell you about what you actually treasure. Because what we fix our eyes on determines the direction of our life. And friends, let me tell you, if money is a treasure that your life is set on, that your eyes are fixed on, that your life is headed towards, you'll find out something very quickly. And this is our third point. That money is a bad master. It's a bad master. Have a look at verse 24 with me. Matthew 6, verse 24 in your Bibles. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's the thing. There can only be one God in your life. One God in your life. You need to choose who you serve, God or money. Jesus makes it very clear. You might be sitting here wondering, well, how do I know if my master is God or money? Well, I think it expresses itself in two very opposite ways when we think about money as our idols. The first is luxurious living. This is a very obvious one, okay? This is the obvious one. This looks like the finest clothes, jewelry, the most expensive meals, the flashiest cars, the most exotic holidays, you know? These are the people who live for money, or more accurately, what money offers them. This is worshipping money for freedom, Joy, satisfaction. That's why you worship money. But the second, there's another way that we can worship money, and it's not so obvious, and this is expressed in extreme stinginess. This is the one that's a bit hidden away. This looks like someone who doesn't ever overpay for things, who's very particular about their spending, and because of that has a huge savings account or investment portfolio that's growing and amassing wealth. But there's no generosity. This, like, this looks like not being able to let go of your money. And this is worshipping money for safety, for security. That's what you're hoping money will give you. 
My friends, let me tell you something. Money is a bad master. It's a bad master. It keeps demanding more and more of you, and it will never let you go. Being enslaved to debt, being enslaved to a massive mortgage that dictates all my career and family choices, being enslaved to the endless cycle of keeping up with everyone else around us and what they have, it won't lead you to the life you want, let me tell you. It will lead to destruction for you. Friends, God is the only master who will give us life, real life. We look to money for these things. Freedom, enjoyment, satisfaction, security, safety. These, these are good human desires, and we, but we look to money to fulfill them. Let me tell you, the only place you will find these things is in God. God, the good master who loves you, who blesses you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Money can't offer you these things. Only God can. Don't look to money to give you what only God can. Now, point four. The results of a reformed heart. Jesus has taught us quite clearly about what's important through those three points. It isn't worldly things, it's heavenly things. It isn't temporary things, it's eternal things. It isn't money, it's God. That's what's important. And when we have a deep conviction about these truths, when our hearts are reformed to value what's really important, to love the things that God wants us to love, do you know what happens? We can be at peace. We can actually be at peace. Have a look at verse 25 with me. Matthew 6, verse 25. Let me read this to you. Therefore, I tell you. So there's a therefore. It's linking to everything that's come before. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I love these verses. There's wonderful verses. And I love to how Jesus, when he tells us to stop worrying about material provisions, right? He's telling us to stop. He doesn't just say so in an arbitrary sort of way to go, hey, stop worrying. Why are you worrying about it? He gives us good gospel reasons for this. And he tells us this, if God provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, won't he provide so much more for you? You are humans, people made in his creation that he loves you are deeply precious to him. Now, um, in my house, there's, uh, there's some kookaburras that come to our backyard every morning. I don't know if you guys get kookaburras at your house. At breakfast time, my kids love to watch them. Usually family of about three kookaburras. And they sit on our fence. And what they do is they just sit there and they just sit and wait until they see a delicious worm in the garden. Then they swoop down, they get it in their beak, they come back up to the fence and then they swallow it up. My kids love it. It's such a big joy. Uh, to watch the uh, daily, daily feeding time, right? And they come back each day, and they just do it over and over again, looking for their breakfast each day. And guess what? Kookaburras, they don't have a high interest savings account, right? They don't have term deposits. Yet God, he provides them all they need. 
Their life is a model for us, the birds of the air, a life of daily dependence of God to provide. If God doesn't provide the worms in the morning, then they won't live. But God does. And if he cares so much for these birds, will he not do so much more for us? Doesn't he care more for us? Friends, God loves us. He loves us so much that Jesus sacrifices life for us to forgive our sins. He loves us so much that in his big salvation plan, we are central to it. We are actually central to his big salvation plan for this world. And if he's done all of that, then won't he provide what you need for your life? Of course he will. Have a look at verse 31 with me. Chapter 6, verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love that final verse. Whenever I read that verse, I go, man, Jesus really gets it, right? He gets it. Each day has enough worry of its own. Our life is filled with anxiety and worry day by day over so many different things. For the crowd that Jesus was addressing, they were worried about providing for their families their daily needs, about having too little. For us, I think oftentimes we're worried about having too much or what else we can get at the next stage. But whatever the worry is, the solution is actually the same. It's to trust your Heavenly Father. To trust your Heavenly Father. I don't say that to dismiss your worries, to say that they're not real. I know many of us are struggling with genuine anxieties in our lives. I'm just trying to point you to the solution that Jesus wants us to see. Verse 32 and 33 says this, God knows what you need. The end of verse 32, God knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The point is this. When your heart is seeking the right things, everything else falls into place. When you are single-mindedly devoted to the kingdom of God, storing up treasures in heaven, and you are doing so trusting in God as your generous provider who will give you all that you need, let me tell you something, your life will be transformed. It will be. I'm not promising that God will give you a life where uh, you know, you'll have a luxurious life, suffering free. That's a false gospel. But I am promising you what Jesus does, that God will provide for you what you need according to his plans. They might not be your plans, but they will be according to his plans. And when we know that we have a God who is not only sovereign, but who is loving and who's powerful and he's taking care of us, now let me ask you, isn't that a comfort? Is there anything else in life that gives us more peace than that? knowing that God's on our side, that we're in his hands. That's the promise Jesus gives us for us as his disciples. And let me tell you, that's a truth that enables us to be incredibly generous with everything that we have. It frees us. It frees us. Let me finish with some implications. This sermon is an ultimately uh, money sermon. Okay? It sounded like one so far, hasn't it? It's not ultimately a money sermon, but it's actually... A sermon about the heart. Because that's what God really cares about. It's about devotion to God. The overarching call from our King Jesus, for all of us who are disciples of Jesus, is this. To seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What does this mean? Well, it's to live our lives with our eyes set on the future, on the kingdom of God coming, breaking into our world, our future heavenly hope. It means to live a life shaped by righteousness. Did you notice this? It says, seek first his kingdom and righteousness, to live a life of righteous living, modeled after our God who is entirely righteous because we're heading also to a home of righteousness, to heaven. It means to live a life with kingdom value, saturating all that we have. That means it's humility, it's love, it's forgiveness, it's deep dependence on God. That's what we're called to. It means as well to help as many people as we can enter the kingdom of heaven. Enter the kingdom. To share in the glorious hope that we have because nothing, because as Jesus says, everything else in this world is going to perish. This is the only thing that will last. Friends, nothing matters more than this. Nothing matters more than this. So let me ask you this question. How will you invest into the kingdom of God? How will you invest into the kingdom? Now, broadly speaking, there's three ways we can invest into the kingdom of God uh, with our time, our talent, and our treasures. All right, the, our time and our talent we can give towards serving God's kingdom. And, you know, the serve expo that Ping and Ben were talking about after the service, please head out there. Think about how we can be investing our time and our talents for God's sake. But I'm going to talk to you specifically about treasures here, our treasure, because this is what Jesus has been on about here. How do we invest well into the kingdom of God? Well, there's two really simple steps I'm going to give you. Okay? The first is this, it's to pray. It's to pray. Let me tell you something. Our hearts are deceitful. All right? Sin still lives here. So what that means is that we're going to tell ourselves every single excuse we can to not give generously to the kingdom of God. We're going to say things, we're going to say things to ourselves like this. Oh, I need this money just in case, just in case something happens. We're going to say, I've been working so hard for this money, so I deserve to spend this money. It's mine, so I deserve to spend it. We're going to say, I want to give my kids the very best, so I've got to save all of this up. And Satan will whisper in our ear all the time, keep feeding us the lies that money matters more than God. Every day, he'll keep telling us this. It's so easy to fall into this trap, friends, because guess what? The rest of the world is reinforcing it. That's the message the rest of the world is telling us. This is a spiritual battle. So we need the Holy Spirit's help. I'm really convinced about this. So we need to pray. We need to pray. How often do you pray that God will help you to not worship money, but to give generously to the kingdom of God? Let me be honest with you. I don't think I've ever prayed that prayer my whole life before. But I think that's the sort of prayer we need to pray. The second way to invest into the kingdom is to give. I told you it was simple. Pray and give. Do you want to know the easiest way to stop worshipping money? It's to give it away. You don't worship what you don't have. Right? If you can let go of money, you're showing that this is not your God. If you can't let go of it, then maybe money is your master. You worship with your wallet, friends. We need to understand this. And once again, this is a revolutionary way of thinking, isn't it? The world will think you are crazy when you start giving your money away. You work so hard for it. This is your money. Use it for yourself. You deserve it. But Acts 20, verse 35 
says this, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I wonder something, do we actually believe this to be the case? Friends, God, our God is an incredibly generous God. He's lavished everything we need. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, salvation, redemption, new life, forgiveness. And he's given us money as well to take care of so we can serve those around us. We can do good to those around us. We can help his kingdom spread in this world. We are blessed to be a blessing. That was always the end point for God's people. Blessed to be a blessing ever since Abraham. So I want to encourage you today to give big, to give generously. The question that often comes up is how much? All right, how much? Now I know everyone's in a different situation, so let me talk a bit to that. If you're not yet a believer in Christ and you're with us today, then we're so glad you're here today. But we don't want you to start giving. We don't, don't worry about this. We don't want anything from you. We're here for you. We want you to know Jesus and the hope he brings. That's really the aim here. So um, don't worry about giving. We're not asking that of you. For others of us today, we're, we're going through times of struggle. Right, a season of struggling, maybe a particularly tough time financially, as uh, Michael prayed for us before. You can't give much. God knows that. God knows that. just want to say that as well. But I just want us to think a little bit about a biblical principle, and a biblical principle called tithing. Okay? This was a commandment given to God's people. Uh, back in the Old Testament, it was a command from God to give a tenth of their produce, give a tenth of their property uh, to God to actually support the work of the temple, to support the priests and also to help those in need. Now, the common refrain that you might hear nowadays is that, for, for modern Christians, is that our tithing is an Old Testament thing, so we don't have to worry about that anymore because Jesus has come. He's fulfilled the law, so we're not bound by tithing. It's actually quite legalistic to have to give 10% of everything that you own. Okay, And yet there's truth to that, that we're not bound by the tithing law. But can I just... Let's, let's just go back a little bit and let's, let's remember how Jesus thinks about the law. Can you remember at the start of the Sermon of the Mount what he was talking about? Let me rem- remind you. He said this, You've heard it said that you shall not murder, but I say you shall not even hate your brother or sister. You've heard it said that you should not commit adultery, but I say you should not even lust for a woman. You've heard it said to uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to love your enemy. Do you see what Jesus is doing with the law here? He's getting to the heart of the law and he's not, he's not minimizing the law here. If anything, he's taking it to the next level. Imagine what Jesus would say about tithing. Imagine what he might say about giving generously. 10%, I think, in Jesus' eyes would be the bare minimum. Now, friends, talking about money is uncomfortable, isn't it? You might be awkward, very awkward right now. It's an uncomfortable topic. That's why we don't talk about it enough, actually. We get awkward talking about our salary, our spending habits. Those topics come up, man, that's personal. Don't talk about that. But this is about God. This is about his kingdom here. So allow me to challenge you and make you a little bit uncomfortable. Are you giving 10% of your income to God? At the bare minimum. I'm not saying this so CPE Church hits budget and we don't have to stress, okay? In one sense, you know, I think there's a priority to give to your local church, but in one sense, I don't really care where you give. 
if it's to the cause of the kingdom and more people knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, as long as you're investing into the kingdom of God. Personally, as a family, we support, uh, we support CMS missionaries. We support AFES workers. Um, we support MTS apprentices, you know, Zeke being one that we started supporting. We started, you know, and we give to the church as well. We've got compassion kids as well. Some of you have compassion kids. We want to invest in the kingdom of God as much as we can, as well as give to the church beyond these walls as well. But I am, as I ask you to consider tithing as well, I'm not going to ask you to do what I'm not willing to do myself. So I'm going to do something really uncomfortable today. I'm going to be really transparent about how much I give. It's the last thing I want to do. Trust me. Because money is very personal. But I've been encouraged by other pastors that I need to lead by example. So I just want to let you know today um, that our family, we give 18% of our income away at the moment. By no means are we perfect in our generosity. Let me tell you that. But God's given us the means. And we've always thought to ourselves that we want to make this a priority. To give as much as we can. Now I won't tell you that this doesn't take sacrifices on our part. We don't upgrade our phones until they stop working. I drive a 15-year-old Nissan Tita. Can't believe it still works. We don't eat out very much. But you know what? I don't feel like I'm missing out, really, to be honest. Because if it means that one more person can enter the kingdom of God, then man, it's worth it, isn't it? Friends, in the end, you know, I've been talking about 10%, all this stuff. In the end, let me tell you, the amount you give, it doesn't matter, right? God cares about your heart. That's what he cares about. What I love about tithing, this tithing principle actually, isn't the whole 10% thing. It's helpful because sometimes we just need a guiding, you know, a bit of a guide to what we give. But what I love most about tithing is, you know what they gave out of? They gave out of their first fruits. They didn't give out of their leftovers. They gave their very best to God. The best of the harvest. The best stuff was what was given to God first. They set it aside first before they spent on anything else. And I love that thing about tithing. They set aside their best for God, not their leftovers. And I think this is what it means to store up treasures in heaven. To seek first the kingdom of God. Some of you are doing this. um, You're investing generously into the kingdom of God. I just want to say thank you for that. And this is the stuff that people don't see. But let me tell you, God sees it. God sees it. And you'll bring him great honor and glory by the way that you give generously to the kingdom. Friends, let me tell you something. Today isn't actually a money sermon. Let me say, emphasize that again. It's a heart sermon. God really, he isn't after your money. He's after your hearts. So let me ask you, where is your treasure? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me pray. Father God, we're so thankful to you for your generosity to us. You've given us everything, even your very own son, to forgive our sins. You haven't held back and given us a bare minimum, but you've lavished your spiritual blessings on us so we can have redemption, reconciliation, we can have forgiveness, we can have new life with you, we can have eternal hope. We have so much, Father God. And we pray, Father, that you will hold by your Holy Spirit to soften our hearts so that we can respond to this generous gift from you with generosity ourselves. Please help us, Father. Help our hearts to be set on honouring you 
to be living for the kingdom of God above all things. But we know that this is what matters in the end. And this is what will bring you great glory, honor, and praise. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, I'm going to give us a chance to respond now. And coming up on the screen is a QR code. Uh, 